2: Uh, you push play on our podcast. You click download and, and then hit play on iTunes. <laughs> and we have, uh, this is basically just saying, hey, guess what this is.
0: Right now we're in the introduction of an introduction.
2: What this was was a great conversation when Kelly Dixon, from, one of the editors from Breaking Bad, uh, gave us some time. And she talked to us for a while about uh, the world of
0: <laughs> about editing. About things and stuff. Yeah.
2: About things and stuff, well, and we had a great time with it. This is part one of this, but we're having two parts to it. But uh, It was a lot it was of a fun, great time. but
0: we didn't, uh, you know, we didn't, like, just to let you know, whatever, a spoil- whatever the opposite of a spoiler alert is, that's what that is, this is. <laughs> because we didn't push her for, you know, we didn't want to try and get behind-the-scenes stuff from her, because we didn't want to get her in trouble with her job, you know, not knowing what she could tell us and couldn't tell us. So,
2: yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of Breaking Bad talk, was
0: there? No, but I mean, I don't think at this point we were more interested in the editing aspect and what an, you know, like what an editor does.
2: Yeah, and it was really, it was really a good time, and and she's a really down-to-earth person, yeah. and we I can't tell you how much that so we appreciate her taking the time to talk to us, and and uh, we just pretty much. Asked her everything we could think of about editing movies and stuff that she had worked on, which was awesome.
0: And some things that had nothing to do with editing, just some... And some things that were random. Yeah, some random shits that we come up with, so...
2: But, uh, so, hope you enjoy it, special treat for us, hope it's a special treat for you all, too. And here's part one.
1: I said, I'm feeling kind of rough. Let me break it to you, son. Your shit's fucked up. I said, my shit's fucked up. Well, I don't see how. He said, the shit that used to work.
2: This is the Breaking Bad edition, I guess special edition. we will get the formalities out of the way. My name is Bill. I'm Trent.
3: I'm Kelly.
2: We've got uh, Kelly Dixon, one of the editors of Breaking Bad, on with us, which is really crazy. Uh,
1: uh,
2: Yeah, right. You hear us (laughs) screaming like little girls. (laughs) Um, And welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you so much for taking the time to to talk to a couple of hicks from alabama and uh we just we're really we're really loving your show by the way and
3: oh the the podcast or the or the show itself both
0: (laughs) both Uh, all of it yeah yeah
2: it is it is a really uh a really incredible show and i'm just really happy with uh with everything that's going on with it i'm glad it got picked up for another season i mean that's just some awesome stuff we got another year of stuff going on so
3: Well, thank you, I appreciate it, and I love uh, listening to you guys, so uh, thank you for asking me.
0: Oh, hey, we're just glad you agreed to it. It He's like, really? We're going to talk to somebody that's important about the show? What? What? Still
2: I, I don't.
3: Over I don't know how. I don't know how important I am. It'd well, be, <laughs> be kind of tough to put out unedited to
2: That would be breaking bad.
0: It's like something like Clint Eastwood yeah. would do, or something. He's just like, I just put it together. Well, Kelly, what? Uh,
2: so, so <laughs> how did you get started doing this editing stuff? What you know? Did you just fall into a job? Did you luck up, or what? Or was it your dream?
3: No, no, um, no. It wasn't my dream. Definitely not. Um it's funny um uh, I, I I went to I went to school in uh, in Colorado. I went to Colorado State University. I majored in journalism and um i I really wanted to be in advertising. I really wanted to like write ad copy. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world and when I came I have uh, some relatives i I have some uh, cousins and stuff out here in Los Angeles, so when I graduated, I came out here and I could not get a job. I was really trying to get like in a mail room or something I couldn't get a job. So I had a cousin who knew a guy who ran the mailroom at MGM Studios, and she called him up, and he got me an interview, and so I started in the mailroom at MGM, and I delivered the mail for six Jeez. months. Yeah. Oh wow. And then from there, I got a, I got a, I got a production assistant job, which is kind of, which is a, pretty much a gopher job, in in uh, in the film business. It's you know you work for producers and you just kind of, like, go get their car, cars washed and get their laundry and get ba- bagels in the morning. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, pretty much. But you know what? The cool thing about it is is that you... You know, it, every show is different, and every show has different things that their production assistants have to do, but um, I got a job on 30-something, and... Um, it was you know it was really cool because they basically let once you got all your stuff done they let you go to any like department or you know whatever that you were interested in and so um i would hang out a lot in editorial and one of the editors there um w- he started giving me scenes to cut um not scenes for air because i wasn't allowed to cut anything um that was actually going to be in the show because of the union rules but I could cut like shows that had already been, you know, shows that you know were, had already been um, done or something like that. I could like cut scenes from them in practice. So uh, they just kind of let me do that. And then uh, the exact one of the executive producers, um, Ed Zwick, was um, he was working on Glory at the time. And uh, and when they came back, they were they were editing here, but they shot it like I think in Georgia or something. And when they came back here. Um, they were right across the street from us so then I learned how to do a lot of film uh, work there's a lot of work that gets done when you're cutting on film and so I went I would go over to their offices and crank film and their assistants would let me you know because then they could just you know sit there and I could do a lot of work no they they did a lot of work too they, they were very very busy but uh, I learned how to do a lot there so that was pretty much it in a nutshell
0: I actually did, uh, for any podcast, I do about an hour's worth of research, and I end up having about five minutes' worth of material. I IMDB'd you. This is so weird. <laughs> I'm talking to somebody who's able And that's when I flipped out. And Bill was like, yeah, you didn't know this, that you were the, uh, was it assistant editor on Reservoir Dogs?
3: Um, I was one of them. Um, Reservoir Dogs, I got to tell you, Reservoir Dogs kind of an interesting one because – Um, Please excuse my dog there. He's going to pick now to start barking. (laughs) Uh, Reservoir Dogs um, was basically like, I'm not positive on this because I really didn't work with any of the other people, any of the other assistant editors that were on there. Um, But Reservoir Dogs was, I think, a lot of, in, in in editing, I think it was a lot of people's very first job. I could be very wrong about that. But I think that it was. Um, there were a lot of people, I think, coming in and out of there because it was a, it was a very small independent film. They didn't have any money, um, and <laughs> it's true. I mean, they they really what, didn't. You'd, what was their budget? I have no idea. I honestly, I don't. I was hired basically at the end of *Rest of Our Dogs* um, because oh. you know, if if you watch the movie. Um, I don't remember – I'm not positive, but I believe there's probably like five first assistants credited in at the end of that film. And I was like – Oh, really? Yeah, and I was like one of five people. So I was actually asked to do that show in the summertime when it was first getting off the ground. And I turned it down because it was just such a ridiculous amount of money that it was actually less money than I was getting paid as a production assistant. Jeez. And by the d- oh wow when I was Yeah, when I was asked to do that movie, um uh I had been working as an assistant editor for like two years and um and it was the first job that I actually ever turned down and I thought, Oh my god, I'm gonna turn this job down and it's gonna be, <laughs> you know, really bad karma for the rest of my career um but it was a non-union job and it was like the money at the time like <laughs> first assistant editors and on features were probably getting paid about $2,000 a week and they were paying 450 a week. Jeez. And oh wow. <laughs> yeah, it was it was like nuts. I mean, it was like so little money, which is why I think that it was a lot of people's very first job because you know, to get a really good first assistant editor, and these, especially on film, these guys are incredibly well, um, you know, they, their craft is just, they really, really have it down, there's a lot to do to be a first assistant editor, and that's why they were making so much money, and that was like back, I think in, what, 1990 or something, 1991, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Two's when
0: it came out, so one, yeah. Yeah, and,
3: and so I actually turned it down, and and then the next week I got a job on Cool World as a second assistant editor, and I was <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I was pulling in, I think, double, at least double the amount of that. I mean, it was a union job, and I think I worked oh, there wow. for about four months, so it was like, it was a good one to, to turn down, but then they hired, they they needed to replace somebody, I think, or... Um, and, and In December, it was over Christmas And they were finishing the movie At the time, but there was still Like a lot of um, uh, I'm trying to think There was still a lot of opticals A lot of, like, you know, in, in film They call any special effects, any visual effects Stuff like that, opticals Where they actually have to get sent, a wa- sent out To a lab to do um, And so there were still a lot of opticals That were still needing to be cut into the negative And the whole Ear cutting business was still being tossed about within the MPAA, because the MPAA really didn't want to give it an R rating. They they It was just too violent, I suppose, for them, and also... What? Yeah, and also, you have to remember when it was, you know, there's a lot of things that are... I mean, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but there's a lot of things that were still going on back then you know independent movies were very very few and far between um i don't think there were hardly any i mean you could probably count them on two hands and you know the the uh the mpaa you know this is the um the people who rate the m- the movies you know r and g and pg and all that they um mm-hmm. they they w- i'm not really sure how that board is chosen or whatever but they have an office like out here like in what we call the valley, and I, I think it's still there at the same place. It's off of Ventura Boulevard, like, in Sherman Oaks. And um, and so I would have to take the movie over there, and then they would watch it, and then they would give it a rating, but they weren't happy with, I guess, I guess the ear thing was too violent. So Sally Minke, the editor, had cut, like, a couple different versions of it. And so when... You know, they didn't like one version, then I have to bring it back and cut in, just actually cut into the film, the new version, and then take it back over there. I think I did it like four or five times. Um, and the whoa, other th-
0: whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang, hang on, hang on. You were cutting part of the scene, the ear scene. No, no, no,
3: no, no. No, 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 no. She had, okay, you have to remember that, and Trent, you may know this um, because you have worked in film before, you know, it's it was, at, <laughs> no, no, seriously. At, at at that time, you know, not that many things get done on film that much anymore, but at that time, everything was being done on film. So film was just, I mean, you literally could hold it in your hand, and we would have, like, what they call a work print, where it's, you know, it's a positive print of the film that you put up on the projector and you can watch it. Well, Sally Menke yeah. had actually cut a couple different versions of that ear scene together, and they were just rolled up. You know, they were just in a roll. So you would have version one, version two, version three. Uh, and So you would okay. you would come you'd come you know we'd have one version go out to the MPAA they'd watch it and they'd give them you know they call the producers back tell them what they were gonna rate it. The producers were like, well, you know, we weren't happy with that, you know, and then they'd call me and they'd say, okay, Kelly. Take you know whatever reel it was, let's say reel seven, and roll down to you know the ear thing, and it was like it's pretty easy. I mean you know they they'd have a section marked off at like say 800 feet, you know, and you know it was just a pretty easy, and you just lift the one section out and you put the other one, you know, the other version in, and you know you do it with tape and a splicer and everything, and and so um, wow. I think there were like four or five different yeah. versions of it, and and so they finally gave them a rating that they wanted. Um, I think it was rated R, but... I mean, it should have been rated R. But I think that they were kind of... They they were kind of playing around with the NC-17, and they didn't want the NC-17. Oh, yeah. So, yeah you, um, you
0: can't market an NC-17. So yeah. It's got to be...
3: So I did yeah. I did a lot of that, and then also making sure that the, that the negative... Because every time you'd make a change, you'd have to make a change in the negative... And so you'd have to take, basically, you'd take the work print to the negative cutter and they would put it up on their rack and they would follow. You know, they, I mean, everything was done very, there's no computers going on. It's, it's done very in, in tactile, you know, function, I guess if that's the best way to say it. I mean, it literally mm-hmm. is film that you're rolling down on a film bench and you're, you know, putting it in with tape or in, in the case of negative, with, uh, cement, you know. That's awesome. So how do you yeah. so how I, how, that's
2: how do you like the way that it's changed? I mean, that that the computers obviously made it so much easier easier as far as editing. How much you know? It's because you you directly know how big of a difference that was between tactile editing and you know the digital stuff, well, which I imagine y'all do. I've know. I've
3: actually well I've actually never edited on film. I mean, I've assisted plenty of times on film but I've actually never edited on film and I think it would I mean you know it's it's very very different you know um I like assisting on film it's a l- it's fun you know it used to you have bigger um cutting rooms cutting rooms with more people usually in them so there's a lot more camaraderie um it was it was fun back then you know because you know you might have you know three or four assistants on a picture and you'd go for months and months and months and you know if it was a fun you know if it was a fun um uh cutting room then it was a great time um if it was you know bad cutting room it sucked <laughs> but but you know it still was like there were a lot of there were a lot more people so there were a lot more jobs you know nowadays you know you really will find you know one editor one assistant on really big features they'll have more people but not that many you know and and honestly I don't know of any film that that Anything that carries film, that's the way we we refer to it, carrying a work print. Um, Because everything is cut on, you know, some kind of digital system. Usually the Avid, um, every once in a while you'll find Final Cut Pro. Um, But, um, you know, everything is being done that way. So if they still really need a work print, then you have to have a film crew come in. And what they do is they just assemble the print according to a list. That's kicked out by one of these computers. Because when you look at film, I mean, people who have still cameras can, you know, can see this also. Is like on the edge of your film, you'll have this little number. Um, I'm not sure what it looks like on still film, but on on motion picture film, it's a like a. If I'm not dating myself, let's see: one, two, three, four, eight, twelve. I think it's no. Yeah, I think it's twelve-digit number plus frames. I hope I'm not screwing that up. It's been a long time since I looked at it. But I think it's like a 12-digit number.
0: (laughs) We'll get an email if you're wrong. Oh, I know, (laughs) I know. You totally missed one number. Exactly, exactly.
3: No, I think it's like, it'll go like, I can't remember, because it's been so long since I looked at it. It's like, it might be 16. It's like KT, and then 07, and then like 1956, and then like... Two zero three two plus zero zero, something like that. That's what the number will be, and it, the, all those numbers, you know, yeah, wow. it, it's all numbers um, that it, they're called key numbers, and it's all numbers that have to do with how, because every single frame is accounted for, every single one, and you know, you can put every single frame has a, has a specific number, and that's how you you put the film together. So nowadays. You know with the avid or with Final Cut Pro they all spit out what's called a cut list and it will deal it will give you you know every single cut the in you know the frame in and the frame out and it will give you you know from this number to this wow. number and that's how uh, that's how the negative is actually put together still you know that unless they do they do a lot of different things now they do now that they, they they might not even cut a negative they'll actually scan everything into a computer and it spit out its own negative so they never have to assemble. It gets kind of complicated. I'm, I'm sorry to, like, freak yeah, out some of your listeners. Like, well, it sounds... <laughs> sorry to freak out some of your listeners. Nuts. It sounds a lot
2: more complicated than <laughs> so, I ever thought, you know.
0: It's it sounds horrible. Was it <laughs> like I can't even remember my phone number. It's a lot of time. work.
3: <laughs> it's It's a lot of work, but, you know, it's like I think that a lot of editors really appreciate... Cutting on the computer because you know literally when you are cutting on film, you were literally cutting the frames of the film. It, we didn't cut the negative; the negative would be made into what's called a work print. It was almost like a Xerox copy, but it was actual film. And you know they would sit there on a big, huge machine that would hold, you know, usually usually two rolls of picture and and two rolls of sound, um, because sound is not together with the picture; it's it's actually on its own you know roll and um you would literally have to reach across this big table and pull it out and cut it with a splicer and tape it together and you know it was, it was a lot of work um and i i can't imagine anybody that's editing misses it um i've heard that <laughs> i've heard that spielberg still cuts on film i i don't know ah. if it's true no 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 i, I, I know that he would it, it was probably true <laughs> You know I don't know if it's still true Though I, You know I'd be I'd be curious I have some friends That probably could Could uh, find out I have some friends That used to work For his main editor um, That I could probably Find out if he still is I'd be really surprised though. I mean um, I, I know his His main editor You know Still You know Works with him Constantly And Uh you know, I mean, he works with whenever Spielberg is doing something. This this editor will work with him, but this editor also works on other pictures. And I know he's not cutting film on the other pictures. I know he's cutting on. Uh, I know he's cutting digitally. Well, so. um,
2: I think Rodriguez doesn't he do some? Yeah, didn't I, the, I couldn't the grindhouse stuff? Robert Rodriguez, from what I think, uh, it seems like I heard somewhere that it's, it is all digital. It's all digital. Well, maybe. It
0: yeah, he shot. Um, it's the same cameras that he bought for Sin City. It's like the Sony big boys, like the redonkulous digitals. And he cut it all in his... He's got an apartment over his garage. But like, you can see clips of it in his behind-the-scenes where he just... Because he's a nut. He just sits there and cuts all his own stuff and everything. And he's just... I got a question. Like, this is this comes up a good point. What do you think of, A, directors that cut their own stuff, and, B, directors using... Non-union labor, because I'm just now finding out about some of this stuff.
3: Uh. <laughs> well, I guess
2: I guess preface that <laughs> with, you know, Kelly, like you you mentioned a couple of the jobs, the uh, working on reservoir dogs, that that was a non-union job. What what is the difference between a non-union and a regular job? I mean,
3: well, honestly, um, back then, I I don't know how much. Um, I don't I'm trying to think of a way to to preface this because you know things have changed so much I mean back then there was hardly any independent movies and now practically everything is independent you know and and things are done there's so many there's so many things that are done now I mean you can't keep track of of films. I mean, you know, it's it's sort of depressing to me when I, you know, I'll turn on I turned on I think Showtime the other night and some like really interesting looking film was on and it had a great cast, you know, and I'm like I sort of watched a little bit of it. I I I end up tivoing it, you know, because I wanted to see the rest of it. But it was kind of depressing because I'm like, okay, I've never heard of this. It looks really, really, really interesting. The premise looks interesting. It looks really good. It's got a great cast, and I've never heard of it. And it's really sad, because there's so many pictures now that get made that just don't really see much. You know, I guess either they go straight to video, or, you know, they get a very, very limited release, and, you know, it's just sad, because, you know, back then um anything that was independent and pretty decent you know with a good i mean I- if you had a good cast you pretty much made it and if you had william h macy <laughs> then you were guaranteed sundance film festival i mean you know i'm joking about that cuz my friends and i used to joke but if you had william h macy in your picture you were guaranteed you know uh, play at sundance but now you know there's so much that gets done and you know a lot of it just doesn't see You know very much venue because and so I guess the reason that I bring that up is because you know back then the major difference between union and non-union much of the time it was money, you know obviously money. I mean, the the first assistant editors that were getting paid you know at the time was you know two thousand dollars a week, which was quite good. You know, that was way over scale. I mean, it was way over what the union minimum was. Um, But they deserved it. You know, they did a lot of work. They had to run. They basically ran their cutting rooms, and it was a lot of work, and they were extremely skilled. Um, But, you know, then you would have other films where they couldn't afford to pay that, like, you know, like Reservoir Dogs. I mean, honestly, I don't know what they paid. I know what they offered me in the summertime, um when they first approached me with the job and I turned it down but then when they when they came back and offered it to me at christmas time they had gone wow. up 200 dollars a week <laughs> so so oh, wow. i i don't know what all the other people made but um yeah. but nowadays you know the biggest difference between from what i've seen i don't really hear about a whole lot of non union work but that doesn't mean that's not out there. I just don't hear about too much of it. But the biggest difference I think is definitely money. But usually they can match the union money because they really want skilled people. What they right. don't usually do is pay the benefits. You know that that's nah, usually okay. what they don't pay. They don't pay the benefits and they don't pay the pension. But as far as like the the um, the weekly rate, they usually will pay that. Um, Or they'll pay very close to it because they want people that are, you know, that can do it. But obviously, you know, we're in a bad economy, so, you know, I have no idea what the situation is now. Um, And as far as directors doing their own stuff, I mean, you know, I don't have a problem with it. I think that editors who have been doing it way longer than me, they might have issues with it. But I'm kind of like, look, if, if you can do the work, you know, and you know how to... You know, sit down in the chair, and you're not beaten on my back to do it. By all means, you know, let, let's let's get another avid in here, and you can work too. You know, I'm I don't have a problem with that.
0: <laughs> I like the director that thinks he knows what he's doing, you're like, okay, we'll set up the play school avid over here, well, like a tonk, like. Well, like you, Toy Wayne, like okay, you play over there, and we'll do the. Well, yeah. you know,
3: I have never really worked. <laughs> I've never really worked with editors. I mean, with the directors that do know how to do it, but I have friends that have worked with directors that, like Soderbergh, knows how to do his own. You know, he knows the machine; he can do it. I I had a friend who was working on a Chris Columbus movie. He they definitely had an avid for him. You know, um, so yeah. you know, I mean, but I, I don't know. I've never really talked to many editors about it, but. I know that um you know there's there's a probably a generation ahead of me that don't like it but you know I I'm all for it because you know it's like if they have something in mind you know and they know how they want to accomplish it then you know why are they going to Try and settle for something that I come up with. That's really not what they had in mind. Or a lot of times too, yeah. what, you know. On the converse of that, you know, you'll like work really hard on trying to make something work, and they think that they can do it better. And then they come up with the with the same pitfalls, you know, that you do. And you're like, "See, told you, told you, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> told you it wasn't going to work." <laughs>
2: well, you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a question, you know, regarding how it comes to you. You know, do you like say they go out and they film, uh, you know, a scene or what? Do you get it by the scene or do they send send you a box that just has all? You know, this is episode twelve. Well, you know, edit this. Well, Kelly. here's
3: how here's how you it know. works on Breaking Bad. Here's how it works. and It's pretty much the same. The only biggest difference with us is that we are shooting our show in a different location than we're when then we're editing. Um, but pretty much this is how it works. Right. What happens is. Um, you know they write the script and um, then they will be the eight days. The a, a whole show takes eight days to film. So the eight days before that that show starts. Let's say it's show number two. You know, let's say it's show number three hundred two, right? And um, during th- when three hundred one starts, three hundred two will start prepping on the day one of three hundred one. On the on day one that three hundred one starts shooting. It will be day one of 302's prep period. And that director will be there, um, looking at locations, casting, having production meetings, blocking, you know, sets, um, meeting with actors. They they do all kinds of stuff during that eight days. And what they're also doing during that eight days is the the assistant directors. Usually, it's the first assistant directors the first assistant director will be sitting there doing what they call boarding the show. Um, And it just means that they take every single scene and they do a breakdown. Um, So it's like, let's say, scene one will have Walt and Jesse and it will be out on location. Now, please, obviously, I have no I have not read script number 302, so oh, this no, is we're not just talking hypothetical. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I just want everybody to know out there in podcast land that, <laughs> you know, I have no idea what's going to happen, so this is all hypothetical. But let's say, you know, it's number <laughs> n- you know, and it'll be Walt and Jesse out in the RV in the desert, right? And they will be let's see, let's say they are driving it up to you know a certain point and then they stop and they get out and they start unpacking. well, the assistant the first assistant director will sit there and they'll say, okay, we need Walt and Jesse, we need the RV. Um, is it day or night? We need something um, fun- and they'll do all this. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They'll do all that planning. I mean, they'll be de- it'll be down to what Jesse is wearing, and then every department will like look at that scene and say, "Okay, props needs this," and um, you know, uh, the uh, the camera department needs this. Let's say they need a crane. So then they'll be talking to, like, I think the transportation people and the grips and all those people that handle all these different things just to shoot this one scene. Um, And the only reason that I'm starting it way at the beginning like that is because what they do is they come up with a shooting schedule. And this is the first assistant director's job come up with um, a shooting schedule to say, okay, day one, you know, we're going to be shooting this scene, this scene, this scene, this scene. Like, say they shoot scene one, scene five, scene 48, and scene 60 um, on day one. Well, at that point, um, when they actually start shooting, we will actually get those scenes, scene whatever I said, scene one, scene eight, scene 28 and 40, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Whatever I said, we'll get those scenes that that they were shot. And usually we'll get them about a day and a half later, because what happens with our show is, um... they will shoot and then they will fly it um overnight back to los angeles to our film lab and our film lab will process it and then they will send it over to another company that uh... Um, puts it onto uh... hd master tape for us and then uh... our pa our production assistant will go over the following morning pick that stuff up for us bring it over uh... to our editing offices and the assistant editors We'll start inputting it, capturing it into our... We work on the Avid, so they will start capturing into our Avid. And about mm, 10 or 11 o'clock, I guess probably, what is that? That's shooting day three now, about shooting day three. Wow. We will start working with it, and we'll start cutting and it. And so... Yeah. Oh yeah. So we lose a couple of days, about a day and a half. We lose um, because it has to travel. If, if it didn't have to travel, we'd get the next day. But because it has to travel, we usually get a day and wow. a half, About a day and a half. Work. Yeah. So.
0: Hey, hey Bill. I'm I'm never gonna bitch about one little bit of research <laughs> or anything I do for our podcast because it's a <laughs> redonkulous amount of work, and we get to just sit back and be like, "That was awesome. Let's talk about it for a little while." Well, oh, you, it's so hard work. Well, you have to remember too. You, you guys are. Like killing yourself—that's a lot. I mean, that's really cool.
3: Well, you that's have to remember—you have to remember too—that there's a lot of people. I mean, this is why you have, you know, a lot of people. There's, you know, there's people that um, that handle all these different things. You know, everybody has a job. You'd think, you know, when you see those credits behind, you know, movies and stuff like that, you're like, Jesus! You know, why do they have to have all those people? It doesn't look like it takes that many people, but usually that's that's why. Well, I that's mean, why, yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, so it's, that's how—that's kind of how it works. And then we and then we have eight days. We have eight days to. We well, I think we have about eight, about eight days. Usually on the ninth day, we have to turn in a cut to the director. So,
2: right. That's what I was about to get to. Now, how does that break down? Does, you know, does, does Vince or do, do the director? I I guess it depends on the director. Do they give you notes on say we want to make sure we get this close up here, or, you know. Do do they? Do you pretty much have full reign as far as what you edit?
3: Yeah, you you do because you're you have what they call an editor's cut, and it's your cut, and you can do what you want. I mean, you're the one you're seeing all the footage, you know, in all those days, and you basically have your own cut, and you can do whatever you want. You know, hopefully it's something you know akin to what the director's going to want, because you you know. But you know, I mean, I wouldn't try and you know, cut, recut like, you know, to cut it like, you know, some kind of crazy independent movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you pretty much yeah. should, should follow the script or, you know, you'll get people saying, oh, we might have a problem and we need we to like. We made this
0: entire <laughs> episode with a, with the uh, binocular filter over it. So it looks exactly. like they're looking through night vision binoculars. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I mean, that's very cool. Yeah. You get might it. get,
3: you might, you might start getting people like saying, uh, let's, are there any resumes that we can, you know, look at, (laughs) you know, so it's (laughs) it's probably, it's probably not a good idea, but, but sometimes if you have like a really good idea where, you know, some things are left up to interpretation and you have a really cool idea that they might not have thought of, then, you know, yeah, you're totally, you know, you can totally, you know, go and, and try, you know, something new. And sometimes, you know it it will uh you know it it might hit you know a chord with uh with a director or a producer you know it's like i I think I've told you about this before bill, but um during the pilot um uh vince wrote um he wrote the montage in the pilot, but he didn't really i i don't have it in front of me, but he didn't really write anything he just said he just kind of said. Montage, you know, making meth, you know, jump cutty to some hip music or something. Well, that's all he wrote, you know, basically. And so, you know, um, the, the editor, you know, who was cutting that, her name is Lynn Willingham. I was actually assisting her at the time. And she was like, well, do you want to, you know, go ahead and cut this? And I said, well... I don't know how to make math. How am I supposed to how am I supposed to cut this together? <laughs> I don't I don't know what comes first. And she just said that they shot it in order. So it's like, you know, they basically shot like, you know, I can't remember the scene number, but let's say it's scene thirty and it said, you know, thirty A was them grinding the stuff up with the you know, mortar and pestle and thirty yeah. pest yeah. And thirty B would be, you know, whatever came next. I can't remember. But anyway he shot it in order, so really it was, you know it was really, like, easy to, like, kind of put together, but when we showed it to him, like, and we had no music, we we didn't have a music supervisor at the time, and, um, we had no music, and we didn't know what he wanted, because he wasn't really available to talk to us, and so we, I just kind of found some stuff. I had a friend that worked on, um, Grey's Anatomy, and I called him up, and I just said, you know, do you have any of your rejects that you could, like, you know, uh, you know, throw my way for some, some, like, cool music, and he said, you know, I would, I can't do that because we pay a lot of money for our, our music supervisor but he said, uh, he gave me a little hint, and he said, you know, a lot of times when he's looking for new music, um, he'll go up on MySpace and look at independent bands uh. or something like that and, and just listen. Cause they had. So that's what I did. I went up on MySpace, and I found, like, this song. I can't really say what song it was. It's not the song we used, but I found a couple of them. I let Lynn listen to them. We chose one, and I just started cutting the thing. But then when Vince came in to finally see the editor's cut, he was like kind of blown away because he's like I I never thought that it would look like this and I'm like well this is what you wrote what did you think (laughs) it was going to look like you know and he's like I don't know I just didn't think he really liked it he really liked it in fact he wanted he didn't want me to make any changes to it but I said you know uh, no this is you know this was just you know an early assembly I'm going to you know enhance it and make make some visual changes and I think I made maybe like two or three passes on it or something like that. But, uh, but it was funny. Cause he was like, you know, he, he, he just, I don't know. He wrote jump Cuddy to some hit music. And that's what we did. And he's like, I never thought it would look like that. Well, so.
0: there's a, I heard, I've heard tale of the fact that sometimes there would be a script and it would say like the one page, middle of the page, like the Indians take the fort. Well, that could be like so much stuff. Like, the Indians take the fort so he's like you know a montage there's a whole range of places you could go with it and I think that, that oh yeah, the montages are just absolutely fantastic in this show I think that's the, one of the hooks of the show it's the awesome looking yeah totally
2: well and that you know that's what I I, I imagine that, that's one of the points where you were thinking I'm in the right place because here's the creator of the show saying you're that's great you know talking directly to something you had done.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, at the time, like I said, I I was just assisting. So, um, you know, I was real happy that, you know, he liked it. Um, And, you know, everybody else seemed to like it, too. And when we first sent it over to uh, Sony for um, uh, for the first time that they saw it was uh, right after a producer's cut. And Vince was our director and our producer. So he basically got double time. And uh, and they actually pointed it out also. I mean, I remember them being on a – it was a conference call, and they were, like, blown away with the whole show. They loved the whole show. And they were saying, wow, that montage is so good. And Vince said, well, our assistant editor cut it. And, you know, that was a nice shout-out there. So that was cool.
0: Well, it, it, while we're on the subject, um, I, I I just have to say – and I've said this before, and I don't know – I mean, it's, it's the truth. You can believe it or not, but my favorite episode – between two seasons is four days out. I absolutely think it embodies every single aspect of the show all wrapped into one hour. And one of the things that caught my eye was the montages in it. I think I sent Bill a text after it, was saying something about it, and it didn't occur to me till the second watching of it, because I had it recorded. I watched it on Sunday nights and then watched it again on Monday to take notes. I noticed that you were the one that edited that episode. And I was just like, freaking, this is the one with the awesome montages in it. <laughs> I had the two, it had the one where they're driving out the middle of nowhere, and I had the one um, that had another cooking montage, yeah. was, and like w- like Walt's eating the Funyun, spits it out, and all that just awesome stuff. Thanks. And I just wanted to take a second to be to to kiss your ass and be like that was awesome. Thanks. Thank you.
2: Yeah, that really. That those are really fun to show. I mean that that's something that uh, I mean I think that. It, you know this season was definitely a lot more dark and serious than the previous season, and yeah. i you know honestly, what got me hooked was that levity you know that that those montages seem to bring a lot of times you know they they seem to make it almost like a buddy movie, and uh, yeah,
3: I, I mean, I have to give props to Michelle McLaren, the director of that episode too, because you know, she did a really fantastic job. Um, she was another X Files uh, alumni, I guess you could say. And I was really excited to <laughs> to get you know to to get to work with her. And um, that show uh, it was written by Sam Catlin, who also did a fantastic job with it. But it was so long. I mean, it was the long. I think it was the longest show. Like w- when it came in as an editor's cut, it was. I think it was like. God, I think it was probably like sixty-two minutes long or something, and it's supposed to be.
0: And you said they went over budget
3: too. Um, yeah, that's what I heard. That's what that's what they said. That's what that's what I heard that happened. Um, uh, but yeah, I I don't really, I don't really hear anything about the money. So that was that was the first time that I had heard that was during the 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 shooting. I mean, uh, the Ah. recording of that podcast. But yeah, it was the longest one, and it we had no idea how we were going to get the thing down to time. I mean, the time, it's got to be like a little bit less than 48 minutes. I think it's like 47.12 or I can't remember exactly what time. And the thing was like way, way over time. And, you know, and part of it, I mean, I felt so bad for Michelle because she shot so much footage for that montage that you'll never see. So much footage. I mean, there was probably like... The montage itself, I think, is about a minute 47, I think. It's either a minute 47 or minute 43, because I remember cutting it to the music, and I remember cutting the music specifically to make it that long, but, um, I think that she probably shot at least, I don't know, two, three hours worth of, worth of montage footage. Yeah. <laughs> God, it's awesome. Yeah. Man. Right.
2: Yeah, I... <laughs> but then sped up like it was... Yeah. It, made it a lot shorter. Well,
3: I mean, it was yeah. just, you know, there's so much, and, you know, it's just, I mean, there was so much that was really sad to lose because just all of it was so good. But, uh, you know, you just, I mean, you can't. You, I mean, the first time, I think I, what I usually do when I have a montage like that is I usually like to cut everything else, and then I save that montage for the, the end. I usually will cut montages at the end. And I think that's my third meth cookie montage because I did... The pilot, and I did the one that's in season one where Badger and um, and Jesse Cook <laughs> together. So
0: yeah, and it goes goes awry. <laughs> that that
3: that director also Tricia Brock shot an enormous amount of footage. I mean, and there was so much footage that it was really a shame that you know you can't. I mean, but you know, it would be the whole show. I mean, literally, there's there's so much of it, and you know, and so. It's like it uh, sucks
0: having to to clip out some really good stuff like when you're under a time constraint. I, I've never had an opportunity to just do something that was completely you know not having to be under a certain time limit. So especially with a TV show, it's it's gotta suck to have so much gold and you're looking at it and you're like, damn, we just don't have the time.
3: you know we Well, you know the hard part too with yeah the hard part too with those kinds of things too is that what's really unfortunate is not only trying to make the time. But you don't want to get boring, you don't want the montage to because after you know because you can cut it and you know maybe ten seconds longer and it will be like, okay, I'm over this, I'm over this you know what I mean yeah so you're trying right. to like not have it be too long, but you're trying to show all the stuff that you want to show in it and that one was tough because you know she had shot so much interesting footage, but you know, we also had to deal with a music cut. You know, because that music, yeah. I think it's by the Black Seeds or something. And you know, the music. I can look back
0: at my notes, but uh, um, no, th- <laughs> yeah, I, let's just I, say okay.
3: <laughs> I think it was the Black Seeds. I think it's called One One by One. I think. And um, yeah, yeah, that is it. Yeah. yeah, and and so you know, but but you know, that music, like they like in in that song, like they'll repeat verses. So you know you have to be careful with that too, because as if if you have a song that repeats verses like that, then you know as you start to get too long, then it gets to be it doesn't matter what the picture looks like because the music is starting to right. be repetitive. Do you see what I mean? So right. so it was like it was a it was a fine line between you know we don't want to you know obviously we had to we had to make it short because the show was so long and there was so much in the show that had to be you know that show really depended on plot and you you know you couldn't drop whole scenes because you needed them for that you know for that show but um but yeah it was really i was really kind of you know a little nervous when Michelle saw the final cut because i thought oh no she's going to she's going to be upset because we had to lose this shot or that shot or you know but she she wasn't she was really happy with it and she was blown away with how you know we could cut all of this stuff out and she didn't miss it which is pretty good for um you know a director to be able to say that
2: well i i have to agree i mean i um, i i think that you know maybe i don't know i mean i guess the director tries to get every shot that they can and trust that some of those will be bad and some of those will be good and hopefully there'll be enough to use for a 1 minute you know <laughs> Montage. Am I correct?
3: Um, I think that you know. I've never shot one. I, I'm not a director. I, you know, I. People ask me all the time. You know, they're like, "Don't you want to direct?" I'm like, "No," and they're like, "Really?" <laughs> really? And <I'm> like, no, <laughs> no. I, you know, because I have friends who are very, very talented at it, and um, and I would much rather, you know have that like if i was going to do something i would much rather put it in their hands i think that they would come up with something way better than what i would directing is hard that's a hard 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 thing you know but um but you know it's like you know i you know everybody has different talents and that i don't feel like that's one of mine I'm, i'm not saying that i i can't change my mind later but right now it's certainly not something that i'm looking at you know it's you know because you know what happens when you know i just feel like i would <laughs> i would go and and direct and i'd say okay i got everything that i needed you know and i look at the shots and i'd be like yes i've got that shot should, which should lead to that shot and then you get in the room and <laughs> it doesn't work you know and believe me i i've been on on plenty of shows where you're like gee you know this shot You've got a, a master. You've got the. You've got these interesting things. They just do not go together. And I just think yeah. that, that would be devastating, well, <laughs> you know, yeah. to like you know, I've, have I've everything.
0: Heard stories. I've heard tale of uh, some older directors just going with like one or two. They're like one take, and they're like, all right, let's move on. Let's just keep going. And they just trust that it's okay because they're just like, I don't care. I've been doing this for however many years.
3: Well, it's not oh, only no, just... it's it's not only older directors. There's a lot of directors out there. I mean, you know that, you know they think that they've got everything. Or um, a lot of times, what some directors will do will be they'll just shoot like a hundred million different setups. And it's like, you know, they just are basically shooting from the hip. They shoot a ton of stuff, and you're like, you know, God, you know, it's uh, too much. they well, did they have a plan? You're hoping, you know, did they have a plan? <laughs> But, you know, but I mean, you know, it's, I don't know. I think a lot of times, too, that, you know, that's with directors who are, you know, new to a crew or something and they want and new to a production. And they also want to make sure that, you know, they have everything because it's not only that director that you have to please. They have to please producers who in turn have to please studios and networks. And, you know, if you kind of don't get the shots that are going to be needed. Like say, you know, with our show they, they like to use a lot of wide shots. Uh, our show uses probably yeah. more wide shots than in a lot of shows that I've seen. Um, you know, we like to use a ton of wide shots. Well, if you have a director who basically you know, shoots only close-ups well then that's going to be a problem for us, you know. That, you know certainly our producers are not going to be happy you know, with that. Yes, um, it's
0: not going to fit with the entirety of the show. Exactly, just exactly.
3: But on the converse, if you only do wide shots and you don't do any close coverage, that's not going to work either. You know, you know, you can have really, really nice wide shots, but if you don't have close coverage on, you know, some of these people, um, it it doesn't help because, you know, sometimes you need to, like, bridge, you know, shots with close-ups. There's nothing else that can be done. You know, and so you know, y- you,
0: you guys have really good scenery out there, and then it goes from that to tremendously dramatic moments, like really super serious uh, moments where you got to pull in tight like that. So I can, yeah, yeah, you don't want one episode to be more to the other. You know,
3: well, this is why I don't particularly want to direct, you know, because there's so much to think about, you know, it's like, and it, you know, you have to realize too, that these guys, you know, I'm not talking about only our directors, I'm talking about just talented directors in general, they, they're, you know, there are some directors that are like incredible, um, artists as far as like, you know, uh, look, you know, what, let's see, they're incredible artists as far as like composition of a scene or composition of a shot. But they might be horrible with the actors. You know, they might be, you know, and it's not about moving people around like chess pieces. You know, you have to, you know, you have to be able to be personable with the actors. Then you might have some directors that are like really personable with the actors, but, you know, can't, you know, put two shots together to save their life. You know, it's, and and like I said, I, I, and I, like I said, I am not talking about any of our directors. I'm not talking about anybody specifically. I've just seen it you know and so that's why i say that you know it it takes a lot there's a lot of talent involved in directing and then you know you've got to deal with personalities in the crew and you know people being upset and then you've also got to deal with you know problems that come up oh we can't get that car today you know or rain or you know anything like that there's all you have to you have to be really really versatile and you know be able to keep a cool head but also be able to work very very fast, you know, on your feet and think fast. It's tough. It's a tough job. And you have to do it in 8 days. You guys were asking me before and I was I'm just going to like um finish up the the question that you asked me a while ago about, you know, how it, how it sort of works is, you know, the editor will have about well, you have the whole 8 days that they're shooting and then you have about two more days um, after they start stop shooting, or after you've get all after you've gotten all your footage, you have about another two days to deliver a cut to the director. Then the director will come in and work with you for four days. Well, they they have four days. It, that's a union rule. It's a DGA rule. Um, they have four days to deliver a cut to the producer. Sometimes they come in and work with you. Sometimes they don't. But they only have the four days. And then the producer comes in to work and it's you know on our show it's really vince but on you know other shows it could be several producers um and i'm not really sure if there's a a rule as far as how long they have um on our show vince usually will take about five days to edit um and then he will turn those cuts that cut excuse me over to the studio and the network um on other shows I've been on, it's like the producer may have three days, then it goes to the studio, then the studio will have a day to get back to you, and then it goes to the network. On Breaking Bad, it goes, at least the way it worked last year, is that um, it would go to the studio and the network at the same time. But Breaking Bad is a little bit different, The post-schedule on Breaking Bad is a little bit different than it is on every other show that I've ever been on, because... Um, Vince is very 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 uh, focused and he doesn't like to split his time you know between um, uh, different departments so what he ends up doing is um, he ends up uh, in the writer's room uh, from in the springtime until all the scripts are written and that's usually like, right at the beginning of the last script prep, you know? <laughs> so, wow. um, yeah, and, and so he'll be in the writer's room all the way up until that time. Uh, there are times, like last year in season two, there were a couple of times where he went to Albuquerque um, to uh, be there for some of the filming. Um, I know he was there during uh, episode 202, um, the Tuco, the big Tuco in the desert episode, I'm not sure how many days he was there. I'm not sure if he was there the whole time or if he was there um, for part of it, but he was there then. And then, I'm trying to remember. He went at the end of the year, so I know he was there during episode number 12, and I believe possibly during some of 13. Um, And he could have been there for other ones. Do you
2: get to go on set much, or is that something Um, that. uh,
3: Well, because, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, because we're always busy um, in Los Angeles. That you know, and they're in Albuquerque. That no, um, but during season one, because I actually started second um, in season one, um, so I was actually there for about three days. I went over there just for for the heck of it. It was for fun, just to visit. So I went over there um, while they were filming episode. Well, they were they were doing 101 and 102 together. Uh, Because it was, they were, uh, it was the same director, Adam Bernstein, and he was kind of doing both episodes together. Um, So I was there for a little bit of filming of that. Like, um, they were actually, it was, it was, it was actually like, right when they were about to film the big basement scene, and um, they were kind of blocking it out. With uh, with Max, the guy who plays Crazy Eight, and Brian, and they actually like they actually chained him uh, up to poor the crazy eight. or actually bike locked him to that pole, and they they ended up he wanted to like stay out there, he wanted to stay chained up or you know locked up there, <laughs> actor for like all this time. <laughs> yeah, he he kind of he wanted to do it, and it's funny because you know I think oh. I had read like somewhere I think maybe it was on AMC's website they gave that he gave like a little bit of an interview where he was out there and they I remember them wanting to I think they bet him they they had a bet with him or Brian had a bet with him or something and they couldn't do it and I think he ended up winning that bet but I was I actually uh, he was in a play <laughs> here in Los Angeles about a month ago and I went to see it and he was really really good and and so um it was a oh gosh what, what was, was the name it? of the thing oh it was it was a play called Lydia it was very, very good. It was a Latino play um, here in town. is playing at the uh, the Mark Taper Forum, and and I ended up uh, we ended up hanging out a little bit afterwards, and we were talking. And I said, you know, is that you know true? How long did you stay locked up? And he goes, No, I I did it, you know, for like eight hours. And then I said, Okay, in the bathroom. And he's like, N- No, I I didn't know. I I didn't, no. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't go in that that thing. But he goes, He ate his food out there and. You know, like, the crew, like, went to lunch, and, you know, he sat there, and, Gosh. you know, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. But he That's he horrible. wanted to, like, you know, to see what it was like. And, it, and you know, a, a shout out to Max, because, Max, if I got a little bit of that story wrong, I apologize. You know, well, so. it... But,
2: um... All right, we're going to have to stop this for a few minutes, because it's... It's, it's so much show, we can't put it into one episode, so we're going to have to extend it over into a whole nother show where it can be properly uh, uh, absorbed. So um, what we're going to do is <laughs> stop right here and continue next week. So uh, our next time, our next download, just hit refresh. And until then... We are still behind the cutting edge, and I'm still Bill. I'm still Trent.
3: And I'm Kelly, and I think I'll be back next week. oh man that that, I gotta tell you though I really love that one song by the Bee Gees from Saturday Night Fever I mean I love some of that stuff you know